Welcome to Multi-Passionate Artists, featuring conversations with visual and performing artists, along with other creative souls on their journey, process, and entrepreneurship. I am your host, Diane Foy. My purpose is to help multi-passionate artists embrace their values, ambitions, and story so that they can slide into the spotlight with the impact and income to match. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Multi-Passionate Artists. I hit a milestone this week. The podcast is now at 10,000 podcast downloads. It only took two years and nine months, 75 episodes, 76 plus guests. 10 solo episodes, two websites, and a name change. It's been a long journey. From Sing Dance Act Thrive to multi-passionate artists, it's been an amazing experience having conversations with thriving, multi-passionate artists, musicians, actors, dancers, painters, photographers, and other creative souls on their journey, process, and entrepreneurship. If you're one that's been enjoying this podcast, I'd be ever so grateful if you were to share it with your artist friends or rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or there's a few other places that you could leave reviews like Podchaser and I will read it on air and give you a shout out. So today's guest, you've heard his music on television, starring actors like Kevin Nealon and pro athletes like Chris Bosch and Arnold Palmer, airing daily throughout North America. 2018 Canadian Country Music Award nominated artist Rory Gardner has appeared on multiple country music television, CMT, nationally broadcasted reality shows, and shared the stage with a number of great country acts, including my favorite, Keith Urban. Fusing his music background with stand-up comedy, he has made a number of television appearances for brands like Under Armour and shows like The Handmaid's Tale. Millions of views on TikTok. His comedy sketches have been featured on Funny or Die, America's Funniest Videos, and you can catch his hilarious 2019 TEDx talk on using humor as a coping mechanism. He also has a podcast called The Balanced Artist Podcast. We had a lovely conversation about how he discovered music licensing as a thing that you could actually make money at and uh, the ups and downs of having a career in the arts and the various avenues that he's chosen to express himself in. So I hope you enjoy it. For links and a transcript, visit dianefoy.com slash zero seven six. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So we connected originally on Clubhouse. I heard you on Breakfast of Champions. Uh, do you participate in that room a lot? Breakfast with Champions. 
breakfast uh, with champions. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't. You know what? It's an early show, and I, I can't wake up that early, <laughs> and so it's. <laughs> And I do, you know, I, I get up and then I'm already halfway through the conversation when I get there. So it's uh, not frequently, but when I'm asked to speak on it, I, I'm always there and set my alarm accordingly. Right, right. Um, so you kind of do a lot of things, your comedy, your country music. Um, how did you get into all this? It's a good question. Uh, getting it, I mean, I don't know, my... I grew up in a musical family, so maybe I thought if I want them to love me, maybe I should learn an <laughs> instrument. So um, this was back in the 90s. I, I, I got a VHS tape from the library. I'm like, how do you play guitar? So I'm throwing this thing into the VCR, learning chords, and um, that was boring as all hell. I don't know if you ever tried <laughs> to, you know, hot crest buns and twinkle. Nobody wants to learn that stuff, right? So this is – then something came out that revolutionized learning instruments. It was called the internet. And I started learning, you know, downloading tabs and chords of, of songs that I wanted to learn. I learned like everything that Aerosmith and Garth Brooks ever released. And I was, now it kept my interest. So anytime I try to teach someone or, or recommend someone who wants to learn something new, it's like do something that's you, you want to learn as opposed to something you, you feel like you have to learn because it, you think it's a fundamental. Yeah, actually like that's, it reminds me, like, I, I have a guitar that I don't know how to play, um, but I totally got it because Keith Urban has a guitar lessons program, and he does that, too. He just says, okay, let's forget the, you know, the basics. Let's just go, let's, I'll teach you how to play this song. <laughs> and he teaches you how to play all of his songs, all of, like, classic rock songs and things like that. I what? still can't play it, but uh, right. it's there. <laughs> he's amazing like he, he he seems like a genuine fella and i just I, you hear people talk about like i, I was a royal conservatory grade eight piano player right. like that, that must that sounds so brutal so you had to like learn scales <laughs> and everything all the way i guess it's fundamentals like they're probably much better than i am at any sort of musical aspect but um i don't know i, I just i can't i don't have that attention span it could be ADHD. I have no idea, but it's uh, here we are today. Yeah. So you come from a musical family. Were any of them in the business or hobbyists? My dad had a bluegrass band for 25 years. So that was my, um, and I guess you could say they were in the business. If that, basically with bluegrass, if you, if you want to make a, like a dollar, you have to start with $2. So it's not, you know, business is one thing, but it, it, it was enough to to make me want to delve into it myself, and then somewhere in the nineties, I was like, you know what, I, I got the I caught the Garth Brooks bug, and I never really recovered. <laughs> Is that like your main musical influence? He was in the nineties, and then yeah. uh, eventually, as, as country music evolved, I think, as you mentioned before, Keith Urban probably took over that. Just he's just unbelievable at what he does. Yeah, it says in your bio you shared the stage with him. Tell me about that because I'm I'm in love with him, and so I just need to know a neat story about Keith Urban. <laughs> a neat story about Keith Urban. So yeah, he uh, we we I got to open for him back in 2015, and in most like independent artist career, it's it's always up and down, right? There's never really a consistent level of awesomeness that happens. So we. We did the, the Keith Urban thing, and uh, 
and it's you're just on this high like you're you're used to playing bars or private events or whatever the case may be but when you get to a certain level like that you're you're now you have your own trailer you have your catering service you have all this or it was just a big stage full of someone else's audience which was fantastic so you're on this high and then the next day uh, we played a wedding so all the rock stardom you think you have goes right down the tubes when you have some bride <laughs> yelling at you like play fishing in the i don't know yeah so <laughs> it is it, good but he uh um it, it was it was a great experience he said my name on stage which uh which was a highlight for me just hearing rory gardner out of out of keith urban's mouth was uh you're like i'm good one. yeah <laughs> cool so how did this start? You started playing um, guitar. You started playing around with music. When did you know it was going to be like what you attempt to do for a living and not what you do for a living? I mean, it's, it's, it's where, where do you make that decision? It's kind of a, I don't know. I, 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 it could be like a, like an ego thing at some point. It's like I, I told myself as a child, I'm, I'm going to do this for a living and I, I just won't let myself fail because I just, I don't know, I'm afraid of, of what the younger me would, would tell myself if I, if I gave it up. But it's not necessarily, and then there's two sides of thought. So I've told you earlier, I have this podcast called The Balanced Artist. And so what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get out there is, is sort of what I went through. I mean, I, you know, my, parents quote unquote forced me to go to college <laughs> which seemed like uh, at the time uh, you, you know it was deterring from my ultimate path to uh, rock stardom but through one thing or another it actually ended up helping my path to uh, to the middle which is um, which is what I want to share with other people it's basically uh, where you want to go is you can have many different routes to get there and the one that you think in your head is the one to uh, to follow may not necessarily be the right one yeah and i think that now it's like who actually does what they went to school for or uh what they originally thought they'd want to do we all evolve and change and and other priorities come up um so i like the idea of the balanced artist it's like it's you got to have more than just that one focus exactly like once <clears throat> i became like a, so I'll, I'll back it up again like the the college thing worked out for me because i uh i went into software and i started this this software uh consulting thing and so it just allowed me to you know just leverage that left side brain thing what kind of balancing with my right side brain and it wasn't fun or anything like that but it's um it kind of gave me a different perspective. Like it, I, I didn't think of it as a grind as much as it is. Now I have a sponsor for my music career. Like that's what was funding mm -hmm. it. And there was no record labels breaking down the door. Like, Hey, we want to sign the software guy. That's exactly what we need for our brand. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do this myself. So I went down to Nashville and I recorded this album myself and I self funded it, used all the greatest guys. I, I had, uh, you know, Shania Twain's fiddle player and Reba McIntyre's guitar player and Rascal Flatts keyboardist. It was, it was all good. And I had the perfect sounding album that I could possibly have created uh, for that budget at that time. 
And so I brought it back to Canada and I was like, all right, let's release this thing to radio and we're going to uh, make dreams come true. Well, that didn't happen. Radio was like, eh, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's not really for us. And never specify. You don't know whether it's your writing style or your voice or whatever the case may be. But I just chalked it up as, all right, but maybe it's, maybe I'm not good enough. All right, let's just leave it at that. And so I threw it up on YouTube and um, a couple of years go by, I get this call from this ad agency in New York. They're like, hey, we heard your song break free on YouTube. And we thought it'd be perfect for this ad campaign for this new pharmaceutical product we have. Like, cool, that sounds uh, interesting. Go ahead, use it. And they're like, well, yeah, we, we want to license it from you and pay you uh, X amount of dollars. I'm like, well, now we're talking. See, I didn't realize that music licensing was a part of the music industry. Right. And anyway, that thing ended up paying off the recording debt. They ended up buying one of the co-writers a engagement ring for his now wife, and they put a down payment on a house. It paid for my next three albums. And that's when I realized, well, the, the album wasn't a failure. It just wasn't necessarily meant for contemporary radio. It was more geared towards, well, let's say television or something right. else. So yeah. it's, now it, it's not, not every failure is necessarily a failure. It just might not be positioned properly. And, um, uh, yeah, so, so, and so the, the story continued from there. Right. Yeah. It's, it sucks that when you have some reaction like that, your first thing is like, I guess I'm not good enough when really it is just did not fit radio at that time. Maybe who knows, like maybe they had all kinds of other artists they had to add, or maybe it wasn't just for radio. Yeah. Who knows what it was, but uh, it's great that you got another opportunity from that. And then now you, these days too, you're not making music from selling albums you're making music from merch, licensing, um, any other skills you might have that you could put out there. Um, you have to figure that out, you know, how to make money at this. So that's great. Um, so you've had music licensing uh, for other things as well, right? Yeah. So when it comes to to making money with your art, I, I, have, a, I have a unique stance on it, which is, there, there was a time when I would, I was, I was all in. I just wanted to do music all day, every day, full time. That's how I was going to create an income. And then once you do that, uh, you know, at the independent level, you realize that's not fun in the slightest. Like you're, you start, you start stifling your creativity. Like my ideal situation would be just to have passive income coming in, and here I am, um, you know, writing songs at my own leisure and just releasing experimental music, like things that I think are going to be, I don't really want to, I don't know if you've heard country music lately, but everything's pickup trucks and short shorts and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I, I drive a Jeep. I can't relate. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of, so I don't really, and I, I look terrible in short shorts. I have white pasty legs. It's weird. And so I just, I wanted to write my own um, style of music and, you can't really do that when you're reliant on your income. You have to kind of cater to what's out there. And and that's what I was doing for several years. And, and to make ends meet, I'd also be in the bars, you know, six or seven days a week playing cover songs till two in the morning. And the next morning after doing something like that, you, the last thing you want to do is pick up a guitar and write a new song. So I was like, there's got to be a better way. And this is when I decided, all right, well, why don't I just 
you know, do office work during the day. Let's, I still have the software thing going on. Like, why don't I just focus on that? It's way easier to make money doing, you know, something, other things other than music. <laughs> so I can use that again, reframe it as that's bankrolling the financing. Money. Yeah. Exactly. And so I did just that. I balanced that and I created this album that it was just, it was not like anything you'd ever hear on, on radio. It was, it, it fringed what you'd hear on radio, but it was like songs that I wanted to hear, not necessarily what radio programmers wanted to hear. It was called BU. So it was a completely authentic album to me. And we released that in 2018 and it was my first CCMA nominated award. What were you nominated for? Uh, that one was, uh, I'm looking at it right now, Al album artwork of the year or something like that. Oh, cool. So I created this unique recording package and it was, you know, each, each song had a story behind it. And I, I wrote this long, whatever, uh, description of each, of each song and the story behind it. I created this, uh, this, uh, this booklet that, that had the whole thing and had like a video component to it. It was really cool. So oh, I felt cool. like I, I, I'm not an artist by any means, but it, or, you know what I mean? Like a visual artist, but it's, uh, it allowed me to kind of tickle that bone and it, it seemed to work out. Cool. And you were part of some CMT reality shows. What was, was that in, about? That was in like 2007, 2007. I don't know. I, I don't remember anymore. Yeah. So yeah, it was back when so Idol was a, huge. It's a footnote. I don't know. It was so long ago. Now that I think about it, I was about to say 17, but that was like five years ago. It was 2007. So it was, you know, 50 whatever years you ago. put in, as I'm a, I'm a old publicist. Whatever you put in your bio, people are going to ask you about it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't put the dates in there. I don't like knowing how old I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's when Idol was big on, on TV and stuff. And so CMT decided, we're going to do our own version of that. Right. And so they went to each city, did the auditions. I was on that and got to the end and, again, did not win. But through that, uh, somebody saw me on uh, on the show. They're like, "Hey, we'd like to." That's how I got connected to Nashville. So someone right. someone saw me on that, and like, we we'd love to produce your first album for you. Right. And where does comedy come in to this lovely career that you're building? So at that time, I was doing well in music. We were doing theater shows, and I was doing banter in between the songs. So the song would end, I'd like tell a few jokes, I'd make people laugh, tell stories. And it got to a point where I was like, I like doing this better than singing the songs. Like I couldn't wait for the song to end just so I could talk again. It's like, why don't I just right. get rid of the songs and then just talk funny. So I was like, let's try stand-up comedy. Uh, and so I, I uh, like anyone who wants to try stand-up comedy, they chicken out for a long time because it's terrifying. And the, so I got, I just decided to sign up for this contest, this contest at one of the clubs I registered. So now I was like being held accountable to show up to this thing. And so I wrote my jokes and I did the jokes on stage and I lost the contest. But what do you, what do you expect? It's your first time on stage. Yeah. The important thing is I didn't die. So I'm like, well, okay, well I can do it again without fear that anything's going to happen to me. So I did that. Uh, and it just, I'm like, cool. If I can keep this momentum up and kind of use the same, same work ethic I did with music, maybe I can create the same sort of success with music. 
Well, that was the ultimate backfire because uh, <laughs> it was just, it was, uh, it, it was not translatable at all. Like it's a completely different skill set, completely different art form than music. So it, it took a long time to really get my, my feet under my ground or whatever that expression is. Yeah. Did you study other comedians? Do you have any comedy influences? I didn't. I mean, it, you, the comedy, the, the whole thing is finding your own voice. And so at the beginning of anyone's comedy career, they're they sort of, without knowing it, copying other people's voices, just like yeah. rhythms. Like maybe, I, I don't know myself offhand, but maybe I, you know, I, I, I maybe a combination of like Jerry Seinfeld and Larry the Cable Guy. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? I, I didn't, mm -hmm. I don't know, but it's whoever I was, I grew up being influenced by. And then uh, we're like eight or nine years in now, and, and now I've, I've finally developed my own voice, but that came as a result of things that happened along the way. Uh, you know, I, I used my guitar a lot in the early days, and then I just decided to, it was a kind of a safety net, something comfortable that I used to use to uh, to hide from the scary audience, but then I just yeah. got comfortable and, and I started talking about real things and that kind of forced me to become a writer. Right. And now do you find that you mix the two or do you still feel like you have, you know, you, you have your comedy gigs, you have your music gigs, or is it all intertwined now? It's all intertwined, which is actually uh, a good thing for, for me. Cause again, we go back to like the, the niching aspect of it. I can tell you that I'm, as far as stand-up comedy goes, there's there's so many more funny people than me. I'm not uh, as good as uh, the, the the big guys out there doing their thing, and I just know being self-aware enough to know that I they're naturals at at doing that at a high level. Like Dave Chappelle, uh, Bill Burr, they have this thing that I just don't have. Uh, and then go back to the music thing. Uh, I, you know, I don't have Keith Urban's chops. I, I, there's, and again, I don't, I will never have that. It's just, you just, he has it. Anyway, long story short, combining both of those, now I'm in my own lane. I have this unique, yeah. uh, this unique thing going on. And that is what has been working for me because now when anyone needs something like that, I'm the go-to guy. And that's translated into now I'm kind of, known as a variety act, let's say. So it's gotten me, you know, tours on, on cruises and, and, uh, you know, all over the United States at different showcases and performing art centers, because now it's like, it's more theatrical rather than just straight stand up or straight music. Right. Right. And it, it does remind me of the benefits of being multi-passionate because, you know, there are some people that like, Keith Urban, I'm sure he started guitar really early on. He dedicated his life to guitar and music. That's it. Whereas when you have other interests, like you, how you were even describing the comedy and the music, that you don't have what they have, but what you have is very unique in a combination of all of it, which is really fantastic, which finds your niche. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not an inadequacy thing. It's not that I'm just like, well, I'll never be as good as them. So I might just, I should just give up. It's, it's more like, I know I definitely don't have 
whatever muscle they naturally have. It's like, it's like me trying to like work out as much as I can to try to be bulkier than the rock. Like it's just not going Mm -hmm. to happen despite whatever I try. So I I just need to figure it out, figure out what's right for me. And that's exactly what I did. Right. And how did that all lead to doing a TED talk? That was the transition from when I was putting the guitar down and did real stand up. So I was doing, I was making audiences laugh. I was, I was being funny. I was being goofy. I was doing my thing. But then uh, in 2018, uh, we got this um, a tornado came through my hometown of Ottawa. And we didn't expect it because Ottawa doesn't get tornadoes. And so it, it just devastated the entire neighborhood and uh, the um, sorry, that's my train of thought. Uh, yes, it devastated the the, uh, the entire neighborhood, and it, I just wanted to put a light situation, uh, situational awareness on it. So I, you know, once we figure out there's no fatalities or anything like that, uh, I created this funny cribs parody video. I was just like, you know, walking people around my house and and showing you know here's here's my tree house and here's a tree in the bedroom and the, the whole thing and so that really resonated with uh, people in the community they're like he's he's putting a positive spin on a negative situation and it's showing resilience like all the stuff that i didn't do on purpose but apparently it it was portrayed and the people of tedx uh, saw this opportunity like we'd love to hear your story so i went out to colorado and uh, told this uh, I gave, I gave this TED talk on, on exactly that, just using humor as a coping mechanism. And that thing gets shared at uh, PTSD conferences and therapists use it to treat their trauma patients on uh, something called sublimation, which is, again, replacing a, a negative situation with a positive. And then once something like that happens, it kind of makes you think, well, um, maybe, maybe public speaking could be a, an angle. Like I've been a professional comedy talker for uh, a long time now like why don't i instead of trying to be the best comedian out there why don't i just switch lanes and try to be the funniest speaker yeah so i kind of bridge both of those cool and like so I, you you spend a lot of time on doing videos on social media <clears throat> yeah like before the tornado happened it was i was trying to do sketches so i just like sit there stare at the camera and just try to make whoever's watching on the other side of that lens laugh. And I was conditioning myself the year prior to the tornado to doing that. So when the tornado happened, I was again conditioned to just pick this thing up and just try to be funny in front of it. And that's what led to that video that went viral that again, uh, Again, if you're if you're listening to this and you want to go see the damage of my house and the in the video <laughs> and the whatever, just go to Rory Gardner Tornado and you can find out all that stuff. But it's uh, yeah, and then eventually we got hit with another situation, COVID, and I couldn't perform anymore. Nobody right. could perform, as you know, and so uh, TikTok became interesting to me, and I decided, all right, let's let's try this out. Did a video every day for an entire year. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to try something. And then it uh, it grew quickly, and um, and uh, now we're we're uh, doing brand deals on TikTok and stuff. It just you never know how things are going to happen, but they happen. Yeah, it just got. Seems like everything you've done, you're just like, oh, I'm going to try it. 
That's not what, what's the worst that could happen. Might as well try it. See what happens. Yeah, not being afraid to look dumb is the motto I live by. Right. Yeah. Just gotta try it and see. Cool. And so your podcast, The Balanced Artist, do you have guests on that or what what was what made you do that, the podcast? It was more like I felt like I, I would have conversations with people before this podcast and they're they're something that came naturally to me was like if I wanted to do something, I would just naturally do it. I would know what the first step would be in the second step and the third step. And then, you know, everyone stumbles around the step two or three, but they know how to re-navigate back into step four. And I just been through it so many times that it was just came natural to me and nobody could get past step one or, you know, people would like, how do you do this, this, and the other thing? And I thought like, maybe I have some sort of unknowing skill set that I could share upon other people. And then inadequacy came in. I'm like, who the hell am I to like tell people what to do or <laughs> what do I know? So <laughs> I was like, all right, let's start this podcast and I'll talk to people that have more success than I do and maybe they can tell us what uh, what they think and maybe I can just throw a, a few few of my own little quips in there. So season one of the Balanced Art of the Podcast was talking to Grammy winners and, and influencers and people uh, that I could learn from and, right. and it, was, it was great. And then season two was more like, okay, here's my opportunity to, to just record musings, like things that I think about as an artist that maybe other people can res resonate with. And then we just started season three, which is more, I'm going to interview people that are struggling themselves and maybe uh, through conversation, we can kind of uh, solve a problem they might be having. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's kind of the journey I've been on with my podcast. It was a way of putting myself out there, but putting the focus on other people by interviewing them more like successful musicians actors all that stuff but then more and more as i get comfortable and also get comfortable in my coaching i coach a lot of artists and performers on how, like a little bit more of like personal branding and because i have such a long pr and marketing background but it's also just embracing all your passions and figuring out how to make a living at this. And so, yeah, that's how I'm navigating the podcast. Out. Yeah. Like the way, the way I explained it sounded like it was all on purpose. Like this is the plan yeah. for season one to three, but it was not <laughs> no. that at all. It was just, this is what I'm going to do. I'm bored of this. It, it's just, I want to change directions a little bit and did this. And then we're still, we're, we're still finding it, but I mean, every, every season has been its own sort of success. So anytime anybody asks me, what it's about i can refer them now to different facets of, of what whatever it is they're looking for right that's cool so what's next it's always evolving so you said you, you were into branding and, and stuff like that like the, it's um being a multi-dimensional artist or what did you call it what did, what, did, what expression do you use again Multi-passionate. Multi-passionate artist is awesome because there's never a dull moment. But as you know, from a PR standpoint and from a branding standpoint, you do kind of need to niche down a little bit. There's uh, No one knows how to place you. So when I'm doing showcases at you know different places around uh, uh, 
you know, showcases are basically when you're showcasing your talent and talent buyers in the audience, they want to invite you to their venue or performing right. arts center or whatever. Like no one knows where to place me because it's, is he a musician? Is he a comedian? What am I, is this a one man show? I have no idea what I'm watching here. And so I'm, my, I'm trying to navigate that right now. And I'm trying to really, again, try to be a niche, but at the same time, uh, not necessarily hide some of the stuff I've done in the past, but I'm trying to gear the internet towards one particular thing. Yeah. Like that's what I help artists do is to figure that out. And I think I'm just embracing like, you know, let's create your own niche. You know, And I think that's what I'm doing too. It's like, you know, again, my coaches had that advice as well. Like niche down, niche down, niche down. And actually multi-passionate artists is a very unique niche but i feel like i'm i'm creating my own club instead of trying to jump into other people's so um i think that's cool all that you've done and you can definitely focus things to the story you want to tell and and the talents and experiences you want to focus on but it's all about just embracing and branding you so that no matter what direction you go in, it's still you. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, I, anything can, uh, I, I think sometimes the more unique it is, the more, again, as long as you have that statement, like, let's say the mission statement of like, yeah. this is what I, who I am and what I do. But I think that you can use any sort of creative, I don't know, use an example like Uber. Like they didn't invent uh, taxis or carpooling, but they combine both of them together to create this one thing that was more successful than both of those. Yeah. So it, it, it's, um, it's just a matter of like using all your skill sets and trying to create one thing. But as long as you have the definition of the, what that thing is in the service you provide or what it is that you do, I think that's the key element that a lot of people have a hard time writing, let's say in their bio. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I just, I just I bumped up my LinkedIn profile. Like I, I've got all these other platforms, as everyone does, but LinkedIn I, I've been avoiding for years. So I literally a week ago, I was like, all right, let's do this LinkedIn thing. So I'm writing my new bio for this LinkedIn, and I'm like, what am I trying to get out of this? And like, what, who am I targeting as far as networks? And, and anyway, long story short, again, is, is I, I basically wrote it to – I'm speaking to the – to the avatar, the, the person that I'm trying to get to hire me, let's say. And so it, it's through that process, <laughs> I'm learning more what it is that, that I want to do or get out of this, but at the same time, I'm trying to target that demographic. Yeah. I always uh, refer to Simon Sinek, how he says that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So leading with your why, what is your why? Why? you do everything that you do that answer changes uh, as as we go along like it, it, why in my 20s was because i'm hungry and i need to eat for sure and then as you get older you, it's you don't necessarily need the money anymore as much as you need fulfillment so now it's i, I just want to be happy and i want to make a living doing something that i want to do without having having it feel like a grind so, I mean, think about like Bon Jovi. Does he want to sing Living on a Prayer again tonight? Probably not. He wants to do other yeah. stuff. 
uh, you know, astronauts. Like once you've been in space once, you've, you know, what else is there to see? There's another moon. Like it's, you know what I mean? It's not a big, so it's like, I don't want to, I want to keep things interesting, but at the same time, I don't want to confuse people. Uh, so the, the why is, again, uh, I thought I knew what it was until, I mean, you're, you've listened to Breakfast of Champions. We did that event a few weeks ago in Lexington, Kentucky. And so I, I, I when I'm on stage talking with other speakers that are influential in their own way, like I learn a whole bunch of new things after listening to what they have to say. And so what I took out of that weekend was – I want to be, I've always wanted to, to do something of value and, and feel like I have a purpose and like is what, what I do matter. And that's how I want to, um, that's how I want to continue to pursue what it is that I do. And that answer kind of came true after the tornado situation. Like I'm doing these silly videos and I'm, you know, comedians like are they do they really is making people laugh really as important as we think it is and then uh you know after i, I learned that, that that video got shared with ptsd conferences and therapists use it i'm like all right well clearly what i do matters so i'm, I'm just going to continue that so the art that i create from here on out is going to hopefully try to um i don't know influence people yeah that's pretty much where my, my why comes from is that I love arts and entertainment so much and performers. And I believe that artists have the power to change lives with their talent because what got us through COVID in the early days, Netflix, music, <laughs> videos, um, movies, it's like arts and entertainment. And so your videos, getting people through a tough time giving them a laugh. Bon Jovi, he probably, he he knows he has to sing those songs because everyone in that audience has their own story of where they were when they heard that song or what does that song mean to them? There's so much more to it that, you know, I'm, he knows he has to sing that song and he, he probably puts that behind enjoying performing it because it's all about impacting with your whatever it is that you're putting out there. And so that's why I like to help artists succeed. (laughs) Don't you find it difficult though? Like depending on, on what the artist does, like from a PR perspective, it's like, um, all right, this artist has a new album out and we want to get it in magazines and television and just the word out. So people can go listen to it. Like it's very hard to spin that into a press release that just a local news station would even want to cover. You sort of have to wait for news to happen and then you have to kind of MacGyver your way into whatever is currently happening in the landscape. Would you agree? Well, I find that my biggest frustration when I was still doing PR was artists would come to me because they have that music. They're like, okay, I'm finished my music. I got to hire a publicist. Let's go. But they didn't take the time to, explore their other areas of life who they really are it's it's personal branding but it's really deep work it's you know what what are your core values what are your interests what are your experiences life experiences that you bring to the table and 
until you do that, I believe you won't have success with, with social media, marketing, publicity, because after a while it becomes, here's yet another singer, songwriter, musician with another album. Who cares? <laughs> you know, and because more and more artists were doing that, it's harder and harder to get press. There was less and less press outlets to even get coverage. And it became just even harder and harder. So you have to kind of think of other ways. And now I love coaching because I can help artists explore their stories because it's all about connection. You know, if you start sharing stories about who you really are, what you really believe in, people are going to get so invested in you if they connect with you, then they're going to support anything you do. You know, they're going to like your music and all that stuff too. But, you know, if you think about your favorite artists, you I'm sure you love them for more than just the music they create or the comedy they do. Some you might dislike it for that, but I think the ones that you're kind of a super fan of, you love everything about them. You love the way they dress, the way they talk, the, you know, their humor, their stories. Maybe they're sharing parts of their life that really connect with you. And that's why you're going to connect with them. So I encourage artists of any type to really take that time to explore and then share authentically and to be able to make connections with people. And then it all comes back. And then media is interested because if you build the audience of fans, then the media and industry will come. <clears throat> so a lot of the media stuff, like the first thing, if I were to pitch an artist to an outlet to do a feature, like a lot of times the first thing they're going to do is check your social media and see what kind of following you have. You know, years ago, the first thing would be to listen to the music, watch the video, read the bio, that kind of thing. But now it's They're like straight to, to drive that. traffic to their channel, basically. Exactly. So yeah. what's in it for them? <laughs> I mean, I get it's, it, I prefer the old way, but, but it's, yep. um, <laughs> but you're right. Like the, having the social media there is, is basically our current way of showing social proof. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, Sometimes it's a grind, but I guess if you make it part of your lifestyle, then, then uh, it's not so bad. Yeah, and you ha you have you have a lot of great ways of bringing people in through the comedy videos that you're doing. I try to repurpose it as so I like to, through the pandemic when I was doing all those TikToks. TikTok grew really quickly because I was one of the early adopters, I suppose. Like it, sometime. Was it six months ago when everyone else got on the platform? That's when it got a little crowded. Yeah. But uh, a year and a half ago, it was still it was still new to most people, and uh, so that's when it grew on that. And now other platforms are trying to keep up. So Facebook Reels and Instagram Reels are now um, trying to keep up with TikTok. So like a lot of attention is going towards those. And since I don't have a lot of time to be creating new videos, I'm just repurposing my old TikTok videos on yeah. Facebook and they're just blowing up like crazy. That was going to be my question. How do you, yeah, the, how do you manage all the technology and, and keeping up with like creating the content? 
because now with Instagram, it's like you got long form videos, you got reels, you got stories, you got feeds, you got <laughs> and then you have to come up with all this. And video content is what is driving the platforms. So I do a lot of batching and a lot of like scheduling on my phone. So it's kind of like uh, as far as if I have a, a concert or or a comedy set or something, I'll make sure I get pictures taken for, for that thing. And then I can post one of those over the next few weeks, you know, every, every few days. Um, and then the videos, again, I can repurpose them. I do the TikTok thing and I can repurpose it on three or four different platforms. And then uh, I have a reminder in my phone, uh, like a daily reminder. It's like, um, create video or, um, think of ideas for video. So it's more of like a discipline of like, I could easily just go all day just doing menial tasks without thinking about creating. But if I have that reminder on my phone and I can't end the day without crossing it off my list, like now I have to do it. That's a good idea. And I think yeah. even just for coming up with stories to share, like just having a little, okay, what happened today? That was funny. What happened today that, you know, is notable. Yeah, like in the comedy world, there's two there's two ways of approaching it, and some people just don't have the attention span to be able to sit there and write, and so they go to the stage to really try stuff out. They'll have an idea, they'll take it to the stage, and they'll talk it out. I don't have that because that's again, it's terrifying and brutal. Like, how do you? you know, I can't. I, I'm not. Maybe I'm not naturally as that funny. So it's like, and then the opposite side of the spectrum is uh, is is. Like Jerry Seinfeld, for example, who I don't know if we've ever seen him in an interview. He's not naturally funny. Like he has to be set up for his jokes. Right. He has to write it. So anyway, he has a discipline. Like every day, he, he he writes for an hour, whether he has any ideas or anything. He's sit there with a piece of paper and he just writes until something funny happens. And that's how he operates, and that's how he can create the content that he does. So he, I, I adopt both of those. I'll, I'll write something and then I'll take it to the stage, test it out, you know, rework it, rewrite it, take it back to the stage. That's, that's what works for me. Right. Yeah. You have to have some kind of a discipline. I find that too. I have to schedule things in or I'll forget to do them. And so, yeah. Cool. It's, uh, what, what about you? What's your, what, what would be an ideal situation for you right now? In what way? Uh, your career, your 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 artistry, your uh, things. I want to. Yeah, I want to help more artists, and I think I'm excited with the change of direction because I'm speaking to people that are maybe a little bit more like me. Because when my focus was musicians and actors, I'm not a musician or an actor, <laughs> but it's my passion. I think that was it. Every I've changed careers a lot, but all of them were because I wanted to be around musicians and actors and performers. Um, but then on some ways I always didn't totally get them because I'm not that. Whereas my favorite clients, even when I was focusing on musicians and actors, my favorite clients have been the singer songwriter, dancer, yoga instructor also wants to get into sound healing or the singer-songwriter, filmmaker, animator. I get so excited that they do all these things because I can relate to that and they get relieved because I'm not going to tell them to niche down and give up some things. Um, so 
I'm excited to help more people like that. And I think because I am one of those multi-passionates, you know, I can understand them a bit more. And I still want to kind of focus on musicians and actors, but those ones that also do other things is that gets me so excited that I'm like, and then I'll help you figure out how to present it in a way that other people get what you do and so that you're not all over the place. Yeah, you're like an unbiased opinion. So when you come at it from your vantage point, it's like, well, if I was the talent buyer, I probably wouldn't buy a yoga instructor who sings and also paints simultaneously. Right. And you have to adjust your messaging. I mean, some things are great because maybe I think what what I do, it's like all the things I do could be the same audience. Whereas other things are like, you know, you might be pitching corporate, you know, um, for your speaking engagements. So you would talk to them differently than, you know, a club booker. So it's just knowing that and figuring out what it is that you're offering and then figuring out who's most likely to appreciate what you have to offer, researching about them. It's uh, really getting to know who you're talking to and which parts of yourself or whatever it is that you're presenting you put forward. And it's just navigating it all. I love helping artists with all that. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, um, and I, I think we need more people like you <laughs> or, or podcasts like this, just people that, uh, everyone's so lost and it, it is a point where to a point where they're, they're paralyzed and they just, they don't start. And then 20 years go by and they live with a regret, yeah. which is worse than trying and then failing. So I, I feel like the more that message gets out there, the, um, the more, the, the more bad artists will have, but at least they're, they're, they're doing something and they'll, um, and there's only a way to, you can't get worse. So, you know, yeah. try your best and, <laughs> and uh, pivot from there. I definitely like came from a play it safe uh, family and background. And, and so it took me a long time to take a risk and not have my secure full-time job and then do my hobbies on the side. <laughs> but once I did, then you get used to it. And now, like, <laughs> oh, we'll try this. Doesn't work out. Oh, well, tried it. Let's try something else, you know? Um, so you kind of get used to the risk and the fear that comes along with it. But if you never do it, if you never try, then you're just going to live with regret. And we can't have that. Yeah. And it's uh, one, again, like the story we told earlier, like one one thing may not exactly lead to where you want it to, but it might lead to somewhere completely different. Um, you never like know. The, the, I was supposed to record my uh, comedy album last year or two or 2020, whatever, whatever year 2020 was is when I was supposed to release my comedy album, but there's no audiences <laughs> in the audience because, um, did I say this? there's no audiences in the audience? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so no, yeah, we weren't allowed in public. So without laughs, it just wouldn't have worked. So I decided yeah. to isolate in a recording studio and record a musical comedy album, uh, studio album. So it's uh, like having that, having the background of, of you know doing like eight studio albums just kind of allowed me that that comfort and that level. So I uh, I wouldn't have done this. It's a weird 
like who, who does studio albums of comedy music? Not, not a whole lot of people, but I, I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have done it hadn't I been pushed to do that because I couldn't perform in public. And now, um, it just got released. My, my new album, Modern Day Problems, just landed, it dropped a, a week ago. And, uh, it's much different than, than my normal out the songs that I release because it's, it's comedy as well as music. So, you know, when you release, like I say, a country song, you, you, the music video is just a guy standing in the field for yeah. some reason in the middle of winter. You know, it's, it's, it's strange, but at least with when I create these music videos for the comedy songs, like it's, every scene is like a punchline. It's like another opportunity to do something funny. So it's every aspect of it is like a, another performing art, which is kind of cool and kind of a, that's what's going to keep me busy for a while. Yeah, that's cool. And then in 2022, you can probably finally perform in front of live audiences again. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's open back up again now, yeah. so it's it's good. I spend most of my winters in in the States doing, uh, trying to escape the Canadian winter. So we got a lot that's of smart. Um, opportunity to um, to work some material out there so that when I get back in the spring, we can record the, the album here in Canada. Cool. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with us. It was really interesting, all the things that you do. Any parting words of wisdom? I have no parting words of wisdom. <laughs> I uh, appreciate what you do, and I appreciate the message you're sending out to your audience. Um, you know, if... Uh, if uh, you've, you've liked what we've had to say today, feel free to uh, tune into my Balanced Artist podcast. You might find a nugget there that might resonate with you. And um, other than that, I'd love to connect further. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, at Rory Gardner Music. And um, that's it. Lovely. So I'll put, I'll put links on the webpage in, of the podcast. And uh, yeah. Fantastic. People can go check out all that you do. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Multi-Passionate Artists. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your fellow artists, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To connect with me, I'm Diane Foy Arts on Instagram and in the Multi-Passionate Artists groups on Facebook and Clubhouse. Thanks again.